0: Welcome to Bladder Buzz, the podcast where doctors, researchers, and consumers discuss bladder health and function for those with neurogenic bladder. On today's episode, we welcome Dr. Archie Stampis and Dr. Rose Kavari to discuss urinary incontinence. Let's stop the leak. And now, Bladder Buzz. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Bladder Buzz. My name is Argy Stampus. I'm an Associate Professor for the Department of Physical Medicine and Rehab at University of Texas, Houston, and the Director of Spinal Cord Injury Medicine Research at Tier Memorial Hermann. I'm happy to have my friend and colleague, Rose Kavari, who's here. She is an Associate Professor for the Department of Urology at Houston Methodist and the Director of Neurourology. Rose, welcome.
1: Argy, thank you. Thank you for having me again. I'm excited to be here with you and our listeners. I've really enjoyed these podcasts and uh, my patients have shared the, the link with, they've really enjoyed it too. So I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm glad because we've got a really good one to talk about today. We're going to start this off by talking about a common scenario that happens in my clinic and probably yours. A patient comes in and their number one complaint is, I am leaking in between my catheterizations, I am incontinent. So Rose, can you tell us what we mean by incontinence?
1: Sure, Argie. So when patients come to my clinic, they don't say that I have incontinence, they say I leak urine and that is basically what they mean. It's it's an involuntary loss of urine. So we, when patients don't want to have accidents, and that can be small amount, it can be dribble, it can be a big flow, it can be a full bladder, or a large amount. And it can happen when they're active, when they're coughing, sneezing, or they're transferring themselves from the, the wheelchair, or it can happen at nighttime when they're asleep. So it's any amount of loss of urine that's involuntary that we call incontinence or or the patients refer to it as leakage?
0: Rose, that's a really good point to bring about because not everybody does complain of incontinence, but when you really start to ask questions about why they're wearing a diaper and they tell you it's because they leak, you you really have to kind of specifically go after for some patients that don't complain about it. But why is it so important to us as clinicians to treat incontinence?
1: So, argue that's a really good point. Many of the patients that come to my clinic, it's not easy for them to bring up incontinence. It's They're very apologetic about it. And to be honest with you, half of the patients I see in my clinic have incontinence, and that's why they're there. But still, it, it puts such a a pressure and such, uh, um, and they feel like it's such an embarrassment to even discuss it. So it's a big deal. It's a common problem. However, it's not discussed enough. But what, when we do explore it with our patient, we see that it's a big impact. It has a big impact on their quality of life. It's a burden. Altogether, it's a burden. It affects their hygiene. A lot of patients are bothered by the odor, by the wetness. It can affect the skin in the area of the perineum. Many of our patients, you know, they have the ulcers and ulcers in their sacral area. And the continuous leakage of urine doesn't allow the wound to heal. It contributes to the infections in the area. It causes a lot of anxiety for the patients to, to leave the house and constantly worry about their accidents, how many times they have to change their clothes, how many pads they have to carry, how many pull-ups they have to carry. And it's really difficult for many of our patients to actually change because they're wheelchair-bound or you know, at nighttime when they have their accidents, it's really a burden for their caregivers to, to change the, the clothing, to change the bed. So altogether, it affects the quality of our, the life of our patients and their families in a negative way. Another point that I think we don't talk about a lot, but it, it's a big issue. It's the cost. It's the, the financial burden of incontinence. The the pads, the the supportive undergarments, the, the incontinence supports that patients need, they're expensive. And many of the times, they're not covered by insurance. So a big chunk of their money every single month has to go to these protective supplies for incontinence. And that's why we do want to explore our patients to see what we can do to improve their symptoms.
0: So when I see my patients who are incontinent. Is it all the same? Does it just matter what I'm working with? Or does the cause of the incontinence play a role in treatment?
1: So I have good news for our listeners. We have learned so much about bladder function, specifically in the neurogenic bladder world, over the past 30 years. Now we can actually differentiate between different reasons of incontinence. So again, when patients come to see me, they don't say I have incontinence or what kind of incontinence they they may experience, they just say that they leak and they're bothered by that. I think it's up to us to explore and see why they're leaking and then tailor our treatment to that. Because yes, not all incontinence is the same. And, and let me give you some examples. So many times in neurogenic bladder patients, um, we can have an incompetent bladder outlet or incompetent sphincter. And that's when patients transfer themselves or they cough and sneeze and they leak. That's a different problem to have. And it's a there's a different way to treat that. There's really no medicine to treat it. We have physical therapy. We have procedures that can enhance that outlet so they can hold urine. Now, there's another time that patients have incontinence and that's overflow. So the bladder can't hold enough and then They haven't been able to cath in time. It doesn't matter how good of a sphincter patients have, the urine will start leaking out. That's overflow incontinence. We manage it differently. Or they have urge urinary incontinence, which is one of the number one reasons incontinence in neurogenic bladder patients. And that's when the bladder is really tight, really spastic, and as soon as they get the urge, Oh my God, that bladder is just leaking and it's like spasming and they can't hold against it. And it's usually not a little bit, but a lot of the urine that comes out. So these are the common causes. And sometimes we even have a mixture of these, like there's a mixed urinary incontinence or different reasons that contribute to the incontinence. But I do also want to bring up another point, Archie, is that the less common causes of urinary incontinence. And that's when we have worsened or new incontinence. And that's when patients can have malignancies in their bladder or new stones in their bladder or urinary tract infections. So those are the little bit less reasons, but very worthy of discussing and being aware of it and seeking care and seeking um, physician's input for them.
0: Rose, you stole my question. My next question was going to be, what happens with my patients who are continent? They've been great forever, but they come to clinic and they're telling me all of a sudden I am now incontinent. I'm now leaking. What do we do? What's what are the reasons? What's the workup?
1: Good. So more more common things be more common. Usually it could be a urinary tract infection, as simple as that. UTIs. We know it worsens the bladder symptoms, specifically the incontinence. So simple test we can test for infection and then treat that if it's present. If it is not an infection, then we really have to think about the other things that I mentioned, like malignancy, like bladder stones, or worsening of the bladder pressures, which also is very common in neurogenic bladder patients. Um, we have a little bit more sophisticated way of like exploring those reasons. Sometimes we even have to look into the bladder with a camera called cystoscopy. We have to do a test called urodynamic testing where we'll look at the pressure in the bladder to see how tight... Or spastic, the bladder is, um, or it could also be, sometimes we see weakening of the pelvic floor in pregnancy, delivery. Patients may not have had it before and now they have it. Um, let's say for patients with multiple sclerosis. And so th- there are different reasons and, and that we have to look into incontinence if it's a new or a worsening of incontinence. Those are really, uh, need, um, a, a visit to a physician and need for explores, exploring the reasons.
0: So there's lots of medications that I prescribe for incontinence. Do all of them work the same? Is there any major differences? What should you know our listeners be aware of when it comes to these bladder meds?
1: So Argie, before we get into the discussion of medications, I want our listeners to be aware that our first-line therapy for incontinence is actually behavioral modification and lifestyle changes. Now we know that there's so many things that we can do, simple things that we can do, and um, uh, to help patients' incontinence. And I'll give you some examples. For instance, we look at patients' um, uh, medication lists, make sure we can adjust their diuretics. We take a look at their, their fluid intake and make sure that they're not drinking a lot, large volumes right before bedtime. And you probably can comment on this uh, better than me, but there's a lot of options in non-medical therapy with biofeedback, with public floor physical therapy, with um, we have neuromodulation, we have um, transcutaneous neuromodulation that patients can try as well. So a lot of other options before we get to the medication therapy. Now, We do have tons of medicines to choose from, actually. I think we're very fortunate that there are a lot of effective older medications and there's a lot of effective new medicines in the market. And now we can tailor patients' incontinence to what medication, let's say, their insurance covers and what medication has less side effect for them. Majority of the medicines, the way they work is that they calm the bladder down. Now, They don't just target the bladder, they actually can affect the bowel and that's why they cause constipation sometimes. They can cause dry mouth, dry eyes. So we really kind of look at the side effects for every patient um, independently. But we have many options that we can try nowadays.
0: Rose, we have so many patients that unfortunately are on multiple bladder medications. And we have some that are on just one and cannot tolerate the side effects. So what other options are there for us um, that we can prescribe to help with incontinence.
1: So again, I'm excited, Argie, to tell our rest listeners that we are we have made so much progress in this matter within the neurogenic bladder incontinence management. Before we used to just jump into surgery. We had we had could do slings. We could do augmentation, cystoplasty, big word. We would make the bladder bigger with these big surgeries. We still do it, but now we have a lot more options before we get to that. For instance, like Botox injection. We were, we're utilizing this, uh, Botox into the bladder much more frequently now. And it honestly it works beautifully. And I think we have a whole nother episode on this, right? So, so we can, we can talk more then, but there are a lot more options besides medication that we can um, offer our patients now.
0: Well, that, that is great news, Rose. Um, so in summary, incontinence is a major burden for our patients with neurogenic bladder. It's a financial burden. It's a quality of life burden. And it, and it's a, an actual medical burden leading to more infections and other complications. We have lots of options to treat. And it is important to find out what is leading to the incontinence, so we could treat it effectively. Did I summarize that right, Rose?
1: That's perfect. So uh, I would ask our listeners to stay tuned and come back and listen to our Botox episode, which is very near and dear to my heart. And I think it has revolutionized the way we take care of our patients, and it's really made an impact in our patients' quality of life. So thank you.
0: Great. Thank you, Rose. Looking forward to the next podcast. Bladder Buzz is presented by the Rehabilitation Research and Training Center on Neurogenic Lower Urinary Tract Dysfunction. The information presented in this podcast does not express the views of the individual's employer or affiliated institutions. The content is for informational and reference purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Or as the sole source of guidance for decision-making, we advise you to always consult with a physician... For making any healthcare decisions or for guidance about a specific medical condition. Thanks for listening. Come back
1: soon.